Welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a show that explores trends in security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. I spend between 5 and 20 hours a week consuming books, papers, articles, and podcasts, which I turn into a concise 15 to 30-minute summary. There's a news and analysis episode every Monday morning, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise update on the most interesting things happening in the world and to explore ideas that hopefully give you something to think about. All right, this is an episode of the Unsupervised Learning Book Summary Series. And I'll be discussing my summary of the book Naked Statistics by Charles Whelan. Really excited to be doing this episode. I've been wanting to do a podcast on this book for a long time because I love it so much. I was afraid of statistics in college, actually. I just didn't think I was up for it. I didn't think it was interesting. I thought it was really hard. I I didn't have enough of an understanding of the world. I didn't find enough of the world to be interesting. I just didn't understand the connections between all these concepts, economics, math, statistics, programming. I mean, there were so many concepts that I absolutely adore now that I just didn't see related to my life in any way when I was in college. And statistics was probably at the top of that list. I never even took the class. I just thought it was super hard. And what Whelan does here, the author of this book, is a spectacular job of explaining statistics for what it is, which is a way of understanding our world. It is like the underlying math for understanding and pursuing truth. So let's get into it. And just as a reminder, the format is basically I have a one-sentence summary. I have a capture of the various points that I just extracted out of the text I have some takeaways, ideas, analysis, discussion, that type of thing. Then I have a quick summary, which is how I just encapsulate the thing overall. And then I have my rating and recommendation. And don't worry about taking notes if you're exercising or driving. There's a written version of this episode on danielmiesler.com slash podcast that you can review at your leisure. And with that, let's jump into it. So my single sentence summary for this is that statistics is a major component of the scientific method, and its goal is to help us make better decisions on how to live our lives. Capture. The point of statistics is to make better decisions about everyday life. When you want to say who's the best at something, that's subjective and can mean many things. What's called an index is a single number that represents multiple descriptive metrics. So like a pitcher's rating or a quarterback's rating, which I think he gives examples of, are actually indexes because they have lots of metrics wrapped up inside of them. So that's an important term, index. Statistics is the foundation of the scientific method because it's how we know whether or not to accept or discard a hypothesis based on experiments. This is really, really fundamental, and that's why it's in the one-sentence summary. So you won't know whether or not 
to accept a hypothesis or not. If you can't tell using math how likely something is to, to be representative of the truth. And that is super critical. And that's why this is so important. It's very easy to deceive with statistics because there are so many ways to say true things that aren't what the question wanted to answer. A p-value is the probability of obtaining the result or something at least as extreme as the result if the null hypothesis is correct, or in other words, if the thing isn't true. The null hypothesis is the default uninteresting state of like basically nothing to see here. And it's, it's kind of like analogous to innocence until proven guilty. So if you're trying to test whether or not this medicine makes a difference in helping cure someone's uh, asthma, for example, the null hypothesis is that the medicine does not help. That's the default state which is uninteresting, nothing to see here. And again, the p-value is the probability of getting a result if the null hypothesis were true, that the medicine were not effective, for example. A correlation coefficient is the numerical measure of how related two variables are, and it goes from negative one to one. So negative one means as one thing goes up, the other thing goes down one for one, and a one means when one thing goes up, the other thing goes up by the, the same amount, one, one to one. So that's what correlation is. One thing is just tied to another, either positively or negatively. A confidence interval for the mean is a way of estimating the true population mean. Instead of a single number for the mean, a confidence interval gives you a lower estimate and an upper estimate. For example, instead of saying six is the mean, you might say it's five to seven, where five is the lower estimate and seven is the upper. And that's your confidence interval is the five to seven. Mean is all observations added up and divided by the number of observations. Median is the value that has an equal number of observations above and below. So. These are both averages, or they're often called averages. They're different types of average. Mean is what we normally think of with an average. You add it all up, divide by the number of things you have. Median is basically half are above and half are below. And these are quite different. Uh, so when you do an average, make sure you're not being lied to. This is a point that he makes very clearly by... Um, getting a mean when you're expecting a median or vice versa. And a good example is, let's say, and he uses this example, let's say there's 10 guys in a bar and you say their average salary is $40,000 a year. And Bill Gates comes to the bar. And now there's 11 people. What's the average salary of the guys in the bar? Well, now it's, millions of dollars a year, right? Or something like that, something crazy. Um, but the median would actually still be around 30,000. So um, that is 
a way that you can get two different types of average with a drastically different result. And there are many errors on the opposite side of that as well. So you want to make sure you're getting the right one. A normal distribution is where values are distributed symmetrically to the left and right of the mean, with the largest numbers clustered around the mean itself, and fewer the further away you get. The standard deviation is the distribution of values in the population. The standard error is the standard deviation of the sample means. And a sample mean just means if you take us 10 samples inside of a population, you will have a mean inside that uh, of for that sample. And if you do a whole bunch of those and you map out how those are separated, that is the standard error. And you can look into this more. Don't worry about it too much. Um, one of the things to understand is that one standard deviation is around 68%, which means if you have a normal distribution, about 68% of the population will fall within that, that area. Two standard deviations is around 95%, and three standard deviations is 99.7%. The central limit theorem, this is super important, says that as you collect random samples from a population, they will fall into a normal distribution around the actual median of the population. You need at least 30 observations for the central limit theorem to work. When you do regression analysis, you try to get to a coefficient, and the coefficient should be a line with a slope. If you have bad data, bad samples, etc., there is nothing that statistics can really do for you. The math doesn't solve bad data because it all depends on the data. When you do regression analysis, you're trying to say that the null hypothesis is not likely. You aren't proving it wrong. You're using central limit theorem and other fundamentals of statistics to show that it's unlikely to a certain percent, but you could still be wrong. So this is super, super critical, super interesting. So you see a lot of studies where you see like, oh, we have a p-value of 0.05 or whatever, that means there's a 5% chance, okay, a P05 is a 5% chance that you could still get this result even if their hypothesis is not true. So let's say, again, it's a medicine that helps fix asthma. 95% of the time, the changed result of getting better from the medicine is because of the medicine, but there's still a 5% chance that it had nothing to do with the medicine, and that's called a p-value. And that is all based on the central limit theorem, and that is the tie that makes statistics actually matter. And this is what's so fascinating about this, and you absolutely have to read this book. I'm jumping ahead, but you have to read this book. I just read it for the second time, and that's what reminded me that I needed to do this right up in this episode. Um, this is really powerful stuff. He's got multiple examples in the book talking about populations. Um, if there were a bus accident 
and there were a whole bunch of marathon runners and there were a whole bunch of people going to a sausage eating contest. And you didn't know which bus that you were going to do triage on. And you had to look at a few passengers and they weighed a certain amount. And you know the average weight of the marathon runners. How many people would it take for you to sample from a given bus to know with what level of confidence whether or not it was the sausage eating group or the marathon running group? And how, you know, the number of samples matters, right? Because maybe you might only have three samples or you might only have seven samples. Maybe it's a bus full of 30 people. All these things matter. And these are the ultimate reasons. These are the reasons that someone could say, yeah, we did this polling and we think we are this sure that this is going to happen based on the polling. Or again, a bus with an accident and um, two different populations. What are the chances that this person came from this population versus that population? It's all real world stuff. And this is the underlying math that makes it happen. Something called the sum of squares helps you understand how far off you are. Um, and it's basically like if you have a line and the line represents, um, this is the number based on square feet that you're likely to pay for a house. And let's say you are on the X, Y axis, it meets and it hits the line at this point. Well, if you have a point that's above the line by two or below the line by two, what you do is you square the number. Um, so either way, it ends up being two. So if you're two points below the line, you square the number um, <clears throat> and it's a four. So, um, and if you square the, the number above, it's also a four. So you, no matter what, you're four off of the line. And that's just a way to say that you can be a, off by being above or below. And this, this is what helps you get it back closer to the actual line, where the line is accuracy. And if that didn't make sense, don't worry about it. I mean, you could look that up on YouTube or whatever. The bottom line is that when you plot actual data onto um, a chart, onto a graph and you draw a line that connects all those dots, that line roughly represents a prediction, which is what allows you to go any place on the line and tell you um, how much something would cost. So if someone comes to you and says, well, what if my house is whatever, 7,500 square feet, you can simply go to 7,500 square feet on the line and then look down at the price. And that's a prediction. So hopefully that made sense. Regression is the process of isolating variables to find relationships between them. And specifically, multivariate reg regression analysis is how we could tell that something is correlated versus caused by another thing. So <clears throat> essentially what this allows you to do is control for one thing like let's say IQ or salary or something as one factor when there's actually multiple factors at play. And if you don't do this correctly, you end up misattributing 
the effect of something to one or more other variables, even though you were trying to say that it only accounted for one. So that's why you have to do a multivariate regression analysis. All right, so that is the main content, <clears throat> takeaways, ideas, and analysis. So again, central limit theorem seems to be one of the most important things in statistics and honestly, in science even. Um, it's really key to the scientific method because it tells you how much you should believe something based on the evidence you have. And uh, the other thing to note from this is there's so many traps in doing statistics correctly or incorrectly, such as assuming that schools that spend more money are getting better results when it might just be a bunch of rich and smart students that go to those schools or their parents had advantages or their parents were extra smart or their parents were rich or their whatever. It's if you do this incorrectly, you get wrong answers and they look really smart when they're sitting next to numbers. So it's really crucial that you follow these principles correctly. And uh, that's what he talks about extensively in this book. So one of the possible things you could do wrong is reverse causality, which is someone thinking that more golf lessons are causing bad golf. <laughs> it's like, how come when I keep taking golf lessons, right? My, my golf is worse or my golf is really bad. Well, that's because you're really bad at golf and that's why you're taking the lessons. So one does not equate to the other. And another idea here that I had based on this is that machine learning, and especially deep learning, a lot of what it's doing, it's not everything, but a lot of what it's doing is basically doing multivariate regression analysis, but on the scale of many variables, like tens, hundreds, thousands, even millions of variables. And that's how it's able to extract out um, really interesting things like, yeah, this looks like a bird. This looks like a cat or whatever, because it's breaking down the catness or the birdness of a particular picture in a way that's super, super interesting. And if you want to look into that, you definitely should. I recommend some stuff on YouTube for learning machine learning. But one way to think about it is just extremely powerful uh, multivariate regression analysis. And now my summary. So statistics is the underlying math that helps us determine truth in real life applications. Correlation goes from negative one to one where negative one is inversely correlated and plus one is completely correlated. A p-value is the chance of getting a result if there's nothing interesting going on. The null hypothesis is the default state of nothing to see here. The central limit theorem allows you to figure out things like what a population looks like by taking samples or what population a given sample is part of or what it's most likely to be part of and what the odds are of that. Multivariate regression analysis allows you to isolate the effect of one variable in a large collection of variables. And finally, ultimately, statistics is not boring at all. It is the real world math that lets us understand what's actually going on and pursue truth. It's really cool stuff. I give this book a 10 out of 10. I absolutely recommend that you read it. 
especially if you're interested in the types of things I talk about on this podcast, about reality and patterns and understanding the underlying models of how things work. If you're interested in any of that, it does not matter how frightened you are of math, how much you hate math. I only went up to calculus. I didn't do well in it. I'm better at calculus now than I was in college, whatever, a million years ago. And I'm telling you, this is a book to read. It is utterly fantastic. 10 out of 10, Naked Statistics by Charles Whelan. And that is it for this episode. And I'll see you next time for the next book summary. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. The show is not supported by ads because I think they're annoying and toxic to the future of content creation. So if you enjoy the show, you can support it directly for just $5 a month or $50 a year, which is two months for free. Members get quite a few things. Most notably, they get the newsletter every week instead of just twice a month. They get access to the archives. They get access to the UL Slack community, where we have great conversations happening all week long. And members also get access to the UL Book Club, where we pick a book a month and talk about it live as a group. To become a member, just head over to danielmeisler.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to everyone who's already a member. I truly appreciate every one of you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.